sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. All right, for all back on Coast to Coast, I got to do it at least once, Carver High. Now here's down and sitting on a 3-2. The pitch. There's a drive to deep left center field. That ball's going to be out of here. There it is. 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And his name is Henry Aaron. That was just the greatest moment ever. And if you watch that highlight of him rounding the bases and getting mauled by fans and then at the plate by his teammates. Craig Sager, the late Craig Sager is there with that disco white raincoat on, uh, jumping up and down and patting Henry Aaron uh, on the back and then interviewing his mother as his mother dives on Hank Aaron uh, to give him a hug. What an unbelievable moment uh, in, in sports history, let alone baseball history. And just a devastating loss today for anyone that loves the game of baseball. Uh, so sad that Henry Aaron passed. Like, it just ruined my day. I was walking my dog, and when I saw that, I almost fell over. And you knew it was coming, but it still sucked. I got to tell you, it really sucks. All right, Mafia, Brian Siano, ready for uh, UFC 257. It's gigantic at Fight Island in uh, the United Arab Emirates and Pharrell Adabi. We're ready, Mafia. Take it away. Let's get all those Mafia snags. You can get them on PharrellOnTheBench.com as well, but let's break it all down. Yeah, we'll have some more on Twitter, you know, tonight, tomorrow, if you guys want to check those out for parlays and things like that. But the big three of the fights we're focusing on right now, the top fight, Poirier McGregor, obviously the big one. That's when everyone's going to be buying for us, when everyone wants to watch. These two guys match up in 2014. After Poirier lost that fight, moved up to lightweight. Since then, he's 10-2. and two. He's won five of his last six. He's come into this fight, you know, a lot better than that first time they fought. Of course, in that time period, in those five wins of the last six, beat guys like Pettis, Gachi, Alvarez, Holloway, Hooker. So plenty of guys on lightweight division that everybody knows and is scared of. This guy is beaten. Everybody but Habib. Then, you know, of course, Connor has barely fought the last couple of years. He's only fought twice since 2016. Poirier is more well-rounded. He's got seven submission wins. Connor has won all the way back before he even got to the UFC. So for me, this fight is all about how this fight is, you know, controlled stylistically. With both these guys being southpaw, that throws off Connor, I think. The last time he fought a southpaw, Nate Diaz, he had trouble with him. Now going against this guy, Poirier. You know, there's talk his coach kind of threw out there accidentally that he's been training in the orthodox, you know, way, in the orthodox stance. If that's true, then that makes me think he's scared of the Poirier. And I don't like that. I don't like the switching the stance. You lose your power. It's not the same. This isn't Rocky. And if it's just him playing head games like they do, then whatever. It doesn't matter. But I like Poirier because he's more well-rounded. And it's worth more to try to take a chance on this guy. Everybody's throwing money on Connor. He's gotten all the way up from minus 175 to minus 330. There's no value betting on this guy. So I'm going to go with Poirier. A plus 265, I think he's the better fighter. And if he controls the action, tries to take him down, drag her into the deeper rounds, I think that benefits him. Vandal thinks it's going to be short. Will it go the distance? Is minus 550 for no. How will it end? TAO, uh, TKO, KO is minus 310. The total round set at two and a half for a five-round fight. So I'm going to take a chance there as well. Plus 150, I think it gets into the late third and into the championship rounds here. And that Poirier uses that movement to try to avoid the big shots. Plenty of other ways to make money if you want. If you're liking Connor. And you think it's going to be quick like he thinks? Then the FanDuel Oz boost has his KOTKO in round one or two at plus 140. So I'm not taking that, but plenty of people might like that one. Moving over to Dan Hooker versus Iron Mike Chandler. Mike Chandler making his UFC debut, of course, the Bellator champion, the former Bellator champion, 
Lots of great wins over there at Bellator. People might not know it, but he split with Eddie Alvarez, who was a lightweight champ in the UFC. Beat Benson Henderson twice, the former UFC champ. Beat Patricky Friere twice. This guy's a good wrestling background with popping his ass. Hooker, of course, is good on the feet. He's got a lot of advantage in the height and the reach, so that's going to be something that Chandler has to overcome. But I like Chandler there, plus 116, and I like the fight to end by points at even money. We welcome all of our radio affiliates, Mightier 1090 San Diego, Sports Map Radio Network, Sports Byline USA, and of course, Satellite Radio, Sirius XM, the Sports Grid Radio Network, Channel 204. Carry on, Moth. Last one I'm going to throw out there for everyone. It's not there on the graphic, but we have this one, the ladies' fight. This one's a big one in that division because these are two former contenders that have a chance to get back and take a shot at, at uh, Shevchenko, Bullet Shevchenko, in her next fight, maybe. And that's Jessica Evil Eye versus Joanne Jojo Calderwood. Calderwood was supposed to get the title shot against Shevchenko in her last fight, but then when Shevchenko was rehabbing from injury, Calderwood was kind of sitting there, didn't want to be stagnant, wanted to get back in the cage, so she fought, took a fight against Maya. And even though she was winning in the beginning, let Maya take her down, who's a one-trick pony. She's all about the BJJ, let her take her down and submit her, so calls herself the title chance. Now she's fighting Jessica I. I was you know, on a great tear for a while there in that division, won three in a row after she moved back to flyweight. Then, unfortunately, lost. she's gotten one and one after she lost to Shevchenko in the title fight. Missed weight both those times, so that was something that was a cause for concern. But apparently, it was because of an inside issue. It wasn't just bad weight cut, wasn't being lazy. Apparently, after that last fight, she went and had surgery in July. She had gallbladder issue. The doctors told her it was working at about 9% and basically poisoning her body. So one thing I looked oh. out for today, she did make weight. She's good to go. I think she's a little bit more of a you know a tough kind of bully fighter than JoJo Calderwood, and I think she's going to take this one at minus 104. And what happened with this guy, uh, Azatar? Uh, they threw him off the card. What did he do, stupid? Yeah, there were two guys that didn't show up to weigh-ins, and he was one of them, and they said that he was off the card. They didn't say why. Well, now we found out. Apparently, he snuck somebody in that wasn't in the bubble. Him, His team gave a you know, one of those <laughs> wristbands to somebody who shouldn't have been in the hotel, snuck him in, even though they hadn't been you know, sitting there in quarantine like everybody else was supposed to. So they yanked him, and not only did they take him off the card, they kicked him out of the UFC for it. Wow, that is awesome. And real quick, Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Alvarez are going to compete on the same card April 7th. That one's going to be on TNT. Is that that one championship? That's that one. They had one of those earlier today where those guys were fighting. Now apparently they're going to be fighting on the same one on TNT, finally on broadcast TV. It's going to be really early, though. They're over in Asia, so it's going to be probably like 10 in the morning. you got to watch that. All right, so when uh, the hour continues a little bit later, we'll talk to Jimmy Smith of SiriusXM about the card and see who he likes in those fights. We got more coming up. We do this 24 hours a day, working hard to bring you the news you can use. Get on the grid. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. Sportsbook Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on Coast to Coast, get on the grid, sports grid, taking over the world. Uh, always good to hook up with the fine doctor. Here he is, Dr. David Chow, profootballdoc.com, at profootballdoc on Twitter. My man, you just got done having another surgery in the OR. Very hectic Friday. What'd you operate on today, Doc? Uh, the last couple were some shoulders, a rotator cuff, a shoulder labral tear, et cetera. Working away and trying to keep up with the Mahomes news. 
Yeah, I've had the uh, uh, rotator uh, surgeries and labrum. I have uh, I have all kinds of hooks and pins and plates in my shoulder. Uh, it, that is no joke, that surgery. That's a nine, ten-month recovery. It's. Uh, I remember after I had it, I couldn't lift my arm, uh, not even four inches. Hmm. Good thing you make your living with your voice and your brain. <laughs> yeah, but, Doc, I had to play ball, and so I was limited for 10 months, so I started learning how to shoot with my left hand, and then I started shooting with a cast on. I had it all going. Broke my hand, rotator, labrum. Let's talk about Mahomes. He's been cleared, but what is the main concern with his, uh, I guess, coming off the concussion, but the toe I want to know about? Well, as far as the toe is concerned, I think he has a mild turf toe. I think he will be fine. He has no injury designation. Will he be 100%? Maybe not. If you notice, in the second half of the game, he actually moved a little bit better before he left the game with the concussion protocol. He might have gotten a halftime injection. So I think he's going to be fine for the game. And all along this whole week, I'm sure you've been following, Scott, I've been saying I'm not sure that Mahomes even ever had a concussion. And further evidence to that, I've written about it, is the fact that, look, right after practice, he said he was cleared. Meanwhile, Bashad Breland, who also has a concussion, still isn't cleared. Let me tell you, the independent narrows are not at practices. So that indicates how they've sped him through the protocol, that possibly he didn't have one to begin with. It was that neck nerve issue the carotid sinus vagus nerve issue that i've been talking about that led him to quote pass out from the stimulation of the nerve which is good which means he's going to be fine and good to go okay so explain it to everyone what you think happened to him when he went down with this nerve is it like getting choked out in mma sort of but not really. Let me explain if you'll bear with me. And if you go to my Twitter timeline, there's articles that explain it or go to profootballdoc.com. We explain it with some video as well. But essentially the deal is he never hit his head by video. Now, can you from a deceleration injury have a concussion? Yes, but I don't think that's what happened. Was he choked out like MMA? No, because the Mac Wilson's arm, forearm around his neck, was only for a second or two. You can't get choked out in a second or two. It takes longer than that. Was it something with his nerve in his neck as in spinal cord? No, because A, how do you explain the grogginess in the eyes if it was spinal cord? And B, it wouldn't revert that quickly, and there'd be a lot more concern about his big term, a long-term picture, and it wasn't that bad of a neck twist or injury. So what does that leave? The way the forearm came across, and I admit this is not typical, not unusual, and not typical in the whole scenario, is that he got hit on the forearm here. And if you go look up in the internet and I talk about it, brachial stun, military techniques, et cetera, police techniques, there's a nerve there called the vagus nerve right at your carotid sinus where the forearm was. It's medically known if you hyperstimulate that nerve, it slows down your heartbeat. For example, if you have a fast heartbeat, they can do some massage in the area and slow it down, etc. That's also the nerve that's hypersensitive that makes you faint when you see a needle or, or blood. I'm not saying Mahomes is hypersensitive. I'm not saying he's afraid of blood or anything like that. But when you hit the nerve like a reflex, it can send an electrical signal to cause him to momentarily faint. And that's what it looked like to me. This is also explains why they got him back full to practice on Wednesday before officially downgrading him for, for political purposes. This is why his return from concussion protocol 
is quicker than the return from his uh, the cornerback, Breland. And the difference is that one, I think, had a concussion and one did not, and that's why he came back so quickly and why the Chiefs were so certain he would play and gave him all the snaps and didn't even let Chad Henney, their backup, have any. Wow, that is crazy. That's fascinating. I did want to say one other thing. The LTN crew in Kansas City is hyper, and Carver High, the Bills fan, is very sensitive right now. Um, so hypersensitive. We have all that on our staff. So will Watkins, uh, Hilaire, and Breland play or not? Breland has a chance to play. Watkins, you never know with his calf. Edwards Hilaire, I think, is headed towards playing. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, maybe not so much. As we said all week long, the healthiest team in the playoffs right now is the Buffalo Bills, followed by the Packers. Third is the Bucks, and obviously Antonio Brown has been ruled out. Fourth is the Chiefs, and that was assuming Mahomes was playing, which I thought all along. The Chiefs actually are the least healthy team right now in the playoffs, especially with also you know some O-line issues. Uh, they have played 12 different players at O-line this year, and uh, they still have the Breland and Watkins and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire issues, etc., Willie Gay's so, uh, out, Vita, too. Vita Vea, they've activated him. He'll be good to go? You know, that's pretty tough injury to come back from. He's a pretty tough guy. It seems like they're trending to play, but I don't think he's the starter. I don't think he takes, you know, 50 snaps. I think it's a spot roll. Look, it's hard enough to come back from that ankle fracture dislocation from October, but he's only had one week of practice. So just to get back into it. So I think if he plays, he's still more of in a spot role. I don't know if you've heard about – so Antoine Winfield has an ankle problem, and uh, Packers starting corner Kevin King has a bad yeah. back. He didn't practice today, and, and that's the guy that would guard Mike Evans. That's a problem. Yeah, I mean, my hope is both of those guys will play. Like, right, you know, your 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 defense is already installed by Friday. Friday is a more of a review and situational practices and special teams type practice. Hopefully, like at this point of the season, everything's been installed. So, you know, in swimming terms, you're on a taper, right? And so you can afford to take some time off before the big contest on Sunday. And hopefully King and Anton Winfield Jr. are just – rest days to try and get their back and ankle perspectively healthier. We hope so. Of course, from practice injuries, there's no film, so it's hard for me to analyze any more than that. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the ankle and hip, still questionable, and, and we keep hearing that he's closer and closer, but not 100%, uh, and he's got these multiple injuries. Uh, what makes you feel that he could go with all the problems he's been having? Well, from the Week 15 injury, I thought he would make it back for the playoffs, so maybe I'm just optimistic for that reason, from the mechanism. I think that he was close to going last week and didn't, So, and, and quite honestly, some of it is need, right? I mean, with Le'Veon Bell, I think unlikely to go. You saw what the Chiefs did last week uh, without really a running back. They did all those jet sweeps and got wide receivers and end arounds and got everyone else involved. Um, you know, obviously that was a new wrinkle, but the Bills, I'm sure, are prepared for that. So some of it is out of need. I don't know that he's 100%, but I would, at this point, best guess is that he will play. All right, so you're uh, on the Chargers sideline all those years. A guy has turf toe like Mahomes, basically whatever sprained toe. I've had broken toes. They're no joke. They don't heal for six, eight months. But what do you shoot him up with before the game? 
Well, there's an option and a discussion. You know, certainly you can just use Toradol systemically and other things. That's legal. But you can use lidocaine, marcaine, like, you know, from the dentist and numb the toe and the toe still works. I'm not saying for sure that's what Mahomes is having done, but that is on the option table as well as the tape and the splint and what have you. But uh, it's been done before, and I'm sure it will be done again. And I'm sure uh, Mahomes is saying, get me back out there and, and make me as comfortable as possible. Yeah. All right, Doc. Great stuff. Enjoy the games on Sunday. Uh, thanks for coming on Coast to Coast. It should be a great Sunday. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. There he is, uh, Dr. David Chow from ProFootballDoc.com. Check out all of his stuff there and on Twitter, and you'll be styling with all the injury skinny. Going into the games on Sunday, it's Coast to Coast. Non-stop live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. What, are you not going to listen? We are the SportsGrid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid gives you the best skinny for everything going into every game and every sport. And we've got the title games covered. We gave you Dr. Chow with all the injuries. And now our NFL insider extraordinaire, Adam Kaplan, joins us on a pain-free Friday on Forellavision, uh, coast-to-coast for both of these games. The first game up, Buccaneers-Packers. We've talked a lot about injuries uh, a little bit earlier here, Adam, but let's get into it with you. What happened with Antonio Brown? Why is he not going? Because originally they said there was nothing wrong with it after the MRI. Yeah, and here's the problem, though. He had swelling in his knee, and Bruce Arians, uh, their head coach, said after Friday's practice that they they didn't want him getting it worse, considering if they would win on Sunday, they'd have the week off to get it right during the bye week. So what they're going to do with Brown out, it's going to be Chris Godwin, who's a starting outside receiver. If you recall, last year in 2019, Arians decided to move him inside Pharrell, and he had a breakout season as a vertical slot. You'll see Godwin take more snaps inside than he normally would. Scotty Miller could play inside or outside. He's been a nice story as a backup receiver. And Tyler Johnson, remember the rookie out of Minnesota. Did you see that incredible catch last week, that sideline grab? They had one catch, yes. but it was a huge catch. That kid is going to be their future slot receiver. He's a true possession receiver. So Godwin... Miller and Tyler Johnson will fill in in that slot role for Antonio Brown. And that's a big one because Brown, not only does he play slot, he could play outside. He's already built up chemistry with Tom Brady. We know that the reason why Brown's there is because of Brady. And uh, look, that that this is the kind of guy you want to have in a championship game, and they're not going to have him, unfortunately, on Sunday at Green Bay. So, you know, he's got Brady, Gronkowski. You talk about Godwin, Miller, Evans. But uh, I've heard some people say that, you know, like he did last week, the sneaky passes to Johnson that late in the game, if it's close, when everybody's worried about Evans and Godwin and, and you know, Braid and Gronk, that Tyler Johnson could end up being a hero in this game for the Buccaneers. He could. And uh, Tyler Johnson's just got tremendous hands. He's a really good route runner, good size, but just not fast. That's why he dropped a little bit in the draft. But I want to talk about Cameron Braid. You just mentioned him. This is how crazy the Cameron Braid story is. So back in 2014, 
he was not even, not only was he not drafted, he was not even at a rookie minicamp, okay? What happened was he was not signed after the draft. The Buccaneers, I'm told, they were down a receiver for one of their rookie camps, and they called his agent, and the agent said, hey, I do have a tight end at Harvard named Cameron Bray. The, the Vikings, he was in their rookie uh, minicamp. They cut him. I do have one tight end. If they don't call him, if they're not short of tight end, Cameron Bray Farrell may not be an NFL player. It's just remarkable because the Bucks were down a tight end for rookie minicamp, a second one that they called him and brought him in. So a great story development. And you notice lately he's getting the, more, the ball a little bit more than Gronk. And he's been a vertical guy. They're throwing the ball downfield. Oh, I like his game. I think he's added a lot to their offense. Tell me the latest on uh, them activating Vita Vea. Yeah, this is huge. So, remember, he was a start of the season, a former first-round pick in 2018. He broke his ankle. And I remember you and I talking about that game. That was the Buccaneer game uh, against the Bears in Chicago. It was a, it was a primetime game, and the Bucks blew that big lead, and, and uh, Vita Vea broke his ankle in that game. He started practicing this week. The Bucks knew he was going to play this week, and they activated him off IR. So, He'll play probably in a bench role. The one other injury, though, of note, this is a big one. Antoine Winfield Jr., my remember's dad, the corner for the Vikings. Uh, Winfield Jr. with the ankle injury. Uh, he didn't practice Friday with the ankle. He got it hurt in Thursday's practice. But my sense is he's going to be able to play. So that's the big one there. And then for the Packers, now this one just popped up. Kevin King, one of the tallest corners in the National Football League, he's got a back injury. Uh, he didn't work on Friday. And you know, Pharrell, he's missed a lot of time in his career with soft tissue injuries. Do you worry about that? He's a six foot three corner. Mike Evans is a six foot four. You love to have him. It's no given with his injury history that he's going to be able to play. So let's talk about the Bills and Chiefs. Uh, Doctor Chow told me the Bills are the healthiest team going into Sunday. Yeah, they are of 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 the four. Now the one issue though, Gabriel Davis, the outstanding rookie, the fourth rounder of Central Florida. You and I've talked about him really since week one. He's their top backup receiver. And the Bills told me here's here's the thing about this kid. One Bill source said to me, probably one of the smartest rookies we've ever had since Brandon being the, the GM came in. He backs up every receiver position, the X, the number one position, the Z, the other one, the move one, and the slot position. If he cannot play, you're going to see Isaiah McKenzie take his snaps. But I'm told they are optimistic they'll be able to play. So let's hope he could be able to go on Sunday. And then, of course, with the Chiefs, Mahomes got cleared out of the concussion protocol. They don't think the left toe injury is going to be a problem. But here's the one that is concerned. There are actually two concerning ones. Sammy Watkins with the lingering calf injury, limited again in Friday's practice. Remember, he's another guy. A lot of soft tissue injuries. This is a calf strain. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been cleared to play yet. They're optimistic because he did more here uh, on Friday's practice, but he's got an ankle and the hip injury. Remember, he hyperextended his knee several weeks ago. On that, on that injury, he hurt his hip. He's still dealing with it. If he doesn't play, it'll be Darrell Williams once again. Le'Veon Bell doesn't look good for him. He didn't practice again with that 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 knee. We talked in Thursday's segment. It has not worked out for him. If Edwards Hilaire can play and Le'Veon Bell can play, it would be Darwin Thompson, the six-round pick last year, who would then back up Darrell Williams. Got all that? That's what's happening at the running back I position. Did. I, I did get all that. Now, let me ask you this question. Will they uh, – because if Watkins doesn't go – uh, his contract's up, and then uh, yeah, Bell oh yeah. has been worthless. Will they get rid of both of them? Yeah, I don't see either. I don't see Watkins coming back. Remember, he took a major pay cut to come back. Uh, Watkins, to me, remember, they drafted Mecole Hardman uh, two years ago. It's Mark, Demarcus Robinson who's, who's back. Demarcus Robinson's back with Mecole Hardman. They would fill in for Watkins again if, if he can't play. And Mecole Hardman is their deep threat. I remember the Jets... 
The Jets wanted him two years ago. They had it. They were talking to the Eagles about trading up on draft day. When the Chiefs got him, they decided not to go up and trade for him. That was that. But uh, the, the the Chiefs love Hardman. There's no question about that. But they didn't get him. And so now Hardman with the Chiefs is the guy who who could be playing a lot on Sunday. All right. Will Breland get cleared? Another one. This is another big injury. One of the top, probably the top defensive injury. Shoulder injury is not a problem. He did plenty. He's he's one step away in that medical clearance. He's got to meet with the independent neurologist. This would be a problem if he cannot play. Why? The Bills run more than three or four receiver sets than most NFL teams, and they're going to spread them out. I know it might rain a little bit. The rain shouldn't be very much, if at all. Uh, 40 to 50% chance of rain. But remember, they spread the out. That's a concern if Breland cannot play. Uh, but you'll see you'll, you'll see the kid, Legereus Sneed, who's their rookie, who's been outstanding, uh, if Breland cannot play. All right, so uh, Bucks, Packers, Bills, Chiefs, who are you taking in the game? Start with the early one. All right, Packers at home. You know, home field has not been good this season, despite how good they have been. Learn about Antonio Brown not playing here. Uh, I do think that's going to be a factor. Uh, I cannot go against Aaron Rodgers the way that he's playing. No one's been able to stop him. I was wrong last week. The Buck defense finally showed up for the first time in eight weeks. They were unbelievable against Drew Brees. They made him look antsy. He was not comfortable in the pocket. They're not doing it again against Quick Draw McGraw, McGraw here in Rodgers. They ain't going to beat him, and I'm going to pick the Packers over the Buccaneers. And Bills Chiefs. Uh, man, my heart is with the Bills, but Andy Reid, the guy, the guy's just fantastic. I, I want Carver High's Bills to win. Believe me, I'll be cheering for him. But the Chiefs, I picked them to get the Super Bowl for the second straight time. I picked them last year to win it. They did. They were my preseason pick. They were again. Uh, but the, the thing is, though, Patrick Mahomes, Pharrell, despite the injury, has not looked very good. I, I think this is a tight game. Uh, I think it's very close. I know the Bills did not play first uh, very well in the first matchup. But remember, that was a rescheduled game uh, during the COVID issue, rainy that night. I'm going to pick the Chiefs in a three-point ball game. Wow, that's crazy. So tell me about this insanity going on in Houston. You're telling me How about this? they're interviewing How about this uh, Josh McCown uh, for their head coaching uh, vacancy. you got to be kidding me. Yeah, this is the first time that I could remember my 21 years covering the National Football League an active player, yes, Josh McCown is not retired. Remember, he's been coaching high school football, and they, they got him off the sidelines coaching. They, they got him in for the final month of the season to be a backup for Deshaun Watson. And when you look at it, sure, McCown is a guy that's going to go into coaching. There's no question about it. The Eagles had interest in adding him to their staff last year, but he decided to go back to high school coaching. And when you really look at it, the guy's probably going to be an offense coordinator someday in the National Football League, but this is really unprecedented. Now, they also talked to, in an interview, Jim Caldwell, the former Lions head coach, uh, who's, who uh, is a guy that I know they like because he's got great command. He's developed quarterbacks, as we know. And he was really a successful Lions head coach. They made the playoffs under Jim Caldwell. So I expect this thing to heat up, especially if the Chiefs lose on Sunday. Eric Bieniemy might get his second interview. Don't forget, he interviewed uh, virtually last Monday for the Texans head coaching job. Wow. All right. So who's your favorite of all these uh, Pro Football Writers Association awards? Respectfully, I got about a minute. Uh, which ones? All right. I voted about? for Aaron Rodgers. Right. I voted for Aaron Rodgers, most valuable player. He was the obvious one, though I really strongly considered uh, the, the great Derrick Henry for that play, that award and also Josh Allen, who was incredible. Uh, Defensive Player of the Year. I could go with anyone other than Donald. How about you? Could you name anyone else who comes to your mind that could be other than Donald for Defensive Player of the Year? No. I couldn't. No. No. 
no, no. And then uh, Kevin Stefanski, obviously, for head coach. But I debated that one because Brian Flores, look how bad they were in his first year, and look at their look at their increase in win total, 10 wins. But they did make the playoffs, and Stefanski did. And you voted for uh, Justin Herbert. He got the offensive rookie of the oh, year. Yeah. He was great. Lock. And Chase Young Absolute on the defensive lock. side. Yeah, no, most of these were obvious. Brian Dable, assistant coach of the year. Name me a better coach who did a better job of developing a quarterback this season. I can't. So there you go. That's a great deal. Uh, Adam, great stuff. Uh, There he is, Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider. He's going with the Packers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs will push. He said it'd be a three-point win. Carver High checking friends off the list now. Pharrell, Kaplan just wants nothing to do with any of us. When we come back, we'll talk to Jimmy Smith of SiriusXM. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, we're back on uh, Coast to Coast. Always good to hook up with our friend Jimmy Smith from SiriusXM, Unlocking the Cage. You can follow him at Jimmy Smith MMA on Twitter. My man, good to see you, Jimmy. How's everything, brother? Good to see you as well, man. Yeah, glad to be doing the gig with SiriusXM Daily Show. It's a lot of fun, man. Hey, so uh, here's where I want to start on this thing. Uh, so uh, this guy, I'm, I'm fascinated by him like everyone else. We get sucked into his web of his uh, showmanship and salesmanship uh, of fights like no other. I mean, he literally uh, reminds me of guys like, you know, Hector Camacho and guys that are just such showmen and so flashy and they got the mouth and the game to go with it and the fist to go with it. He just takes over these events. But I heard him talking about, I want to fight seven times in uh, a year and a half. This guy fights once a year. Where's he going to cram in the other six fights with his big mouth? Uh, he won't. I mean, <laughs> it's just I never believe never believe what fighters say, Scotty. The liars. I, I was a fighter. I'm a liar. I'm 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 totally okay with it. But it, it's not the schedule that Conor McGregor's ever had. I mean, that's the di- we're terrible people, Scotty. We know that. We're okay with it. But that's the deal. Is is that you know, hasn't fought in a year. Before then, he's averaging about a fight a year since 2016. He just doesn't fight very often. That's been the deal for him. So the idea, and he said in the beginning of, of 2019, of course, we had a, a, I mean, uh, 2020, of course, we had a pandemic, but it was, I'm fighting three times this year. It's the start of my season. It's going to be Conor McGregor's year. And the UFC, on their social media, I believe it was their Instagram, said, oh, here's the start of the season. You're like, guys, he just doesn't fight that often he's a big money fighter a lot of demands need to be met there are a lot of x's and o's a lot of you know gotta dot all the i's and cross all the t's to get this guy to fight so uh, three a year would be generous i i'd be really surprised if he fought three times this year probably twice but he has a tough test in front of him saturday i mean everybody with the assumptions we're making about conor mcgregor we're assuming he gets past dustin Poirier. that's not easy Right. And look, he said, uh, you know, here's the thing. He 
it's like distracting for me listening to him. He spends so much time, uh, in my view, uh, wasting, uh, you know, moments uh, speaking about Habib and, and how he's, you know, better than Habib and he's afraid of me and uh, he's running from me. Meanwhile, he kicked his ass. And then he talks about Holloway now that that fight's going to happen. And then he talks about uh, he's already got the Pacquiao fight lined up. Jesus Christ, I can't keep pace with this guy's, uh, you know, projections of fights. Meanwhile, he doesn't even talk really about the fight that's staring him down tomorrow night. And the rest of the division. I mean, the interesting thing is, I mean, this is the most stacked division probably in UFC history. You don't just have Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier in the co-main event. You have Michael Chandler versus Dan Hooker. You have Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira waiting in the wings. The top ten of this whole division is absolutely killer. It's almost like, you know, if you remember, you know, the Four Kings era in the early 1980s, it's almost like, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard talking about, you know, fighting that light heavyweight when he has all these right. great welterweights right there in his division. That, that's almost what it's like. So I, too, see it as a distraction. But I think Dana White and the UFC, by extension, have kind of mishandled the whole Khabib thing where I don't know if you saw the interview he gave live where he said oh, he says he might come back if he sees a great performance next week. And you go, look, either he's in and we can actually start talking about this fight coming to fruition, what it would take to make it happen, or he's out and we can all move on with the division. This kind of halfway, he might come out, he might not. I think that's doing a disservice to this division because should Conor win on Saturday, it's not going to be about Michael Chandler or or Dan Hooker, who just fought before him. It's not going to be about um, Charles Oliveira or Justin Gaethje. It's going to be Khabib, 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 Khabib. And I don't think Khabib is coming back. I don't think it's going to happen. So to me, it wastes a lot of the energy in a division that's so stacked it really doesn't need it, you know? You know, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Smith with us from uh, Sirius XM. Jimmy, the, um, I got to tell you, like, I understand it. I get it. I've been around it for a long time. But uh, the way they spend 95% of the buildup to this fight is about McGregor. They literally – have not done I mean I mean I don't even think I've seen one story about Dustin Poirier and I got to tell you it's an insult to me because it's like he's not fighting him and and Dustin is a lethal dangerous man these days he has mowed through this division he has kicked everyone's ass he is a very kick-ass fighter I love him he's getting no love no juice no PR no talk no hype it's like he's already in a casket. It's unbelievable to me how they suck on Conor McGregor's oranges. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, they know where their money is. And the problem is is that you always look at a fight, and promotionally speaking, and think, are they promoting a fighter or are they promoting a fight? This is a great fight. Both of these guys are ranked. There are title implications for this fight. And yet, it's McGregor, McGregor, McGregor. The problem putting your, all your eggs in one basket in that sense is McGregor could lose. And then you have a Dustin Poirier who's on top. His only loss was to Khabib. Um, he is, you know, uh, uh, next in line for a title shot for sure with the one over Conor McGregor. And yet, you didn't talk about him at all leading up to this fight so the difficulty with me on a promotional side forget about you know the disrespect side of it the fact that they're overlooking a guy who was the interim champion before he lost to Khabib, is you might be stuck with this guy as your front runner 
in the title picture at 155. And as you said, they haven't really mentioned him. So that's the difficulty to me is Saturday night, he could get his hand raised and people will go, oh, wow, that guy won? Wow, that's amazing. And you have to be prepared for anything happening in a fight. You have to be prepared as a promotion or for your golden boy to lose. And that might happen Saturday. I mean, how many times have we seen him lose? We've seen Diaz beat his ass. I thought he looked great in the second fight. I'll give you that. Habib kicked his ass. I mean, uh, it really is unbelievable how he just, uh, and the guy acts like he's never lost a fight ever. Like, those fights don't count. I had a bad night. I was drinking my crappy whiskey, and I was hungover. It's always some excuse why everyone else sucks, and I just had a bad night. But, but Dustin Poirier, to me, the growth from 2014 until now, Jimmy, I know you've noticed it. It's just been phenomenal watching this guy ascend. Yeah, it's been great. And the way he's won fights, Scotty, where it's gritty, difficult, grueling, tough, bloody, hearts, determination, that's what this guy is great at. The problem is Connor generally doesn't allow himself to get drawn into that kind of fight, but that's been his hallmark. Going up from 145 to 155, he's better hydrated, he's bigger, he can take a shot, he can endure, does have a decent wrestling, excellent submission game, he can win fights there. So it's a matter of can he kind of draw this fight into that three and a half rounds, four, five, where, you know, Connor tends to fade. That's when uh, Dustin Poirier can really take this fight over. But if I don't know if you saw the weigh-in. When they squared off, the first thing I thought is, man, Poirier looks big. Poirier looks yeah. really strong at 155. I really think going up in weight class really helped him. And also, if you remember the first Diaz fight, when he hit Nate with the first good combination, and Nate, who was you know, at 170 pounds, he's well hydrated, he's got a hell of a chin anyway, stood there and took it, and you saw Connor kind of go, oh, man, I, I didn't expect this. That's going right. to be a telling moment if he can take those big punches that generally drop guys at 55. If Poirier can take that shot and look him right in the eye, then we'll see what Conor McGregor has because a hydrated, bigger 155-pound uh, Dustin Poirier can take a shot a lot better than six years ago when he was struggling to make 45. And how about when Habib landed a shot on Connor? He didn't know what hit him. I think Poirier's going to land shots. Now, I know how dangerous Connor's left hand is, and he's really got great combinations with the right, too, and he's so long at, like, 71 inches or whatever. He's actually longer uh, like an airplane wing than he is – uh, in height, uh, what do you think of uh, Poirier has to avoid those first two rounds because this guy likes to come out and, and knock people out in the first round and in the second round, if he hasn't done it in the first, the second round, that's his meal plan. What does Poirier have to do to get where you want him to be, Jimmy, which you just said that three, four, and five? There are going to be fans at this event. Right. So they've had some really strict COVID protocols. There are going to be some fans at the event, minimal, minimal fans, of course, but there are going to be people there. Here's the key. If those fans are booing at the end of round one, Poirier's doing a great job. Right. Clinch him up. Put him against the fence. Make it boring. Make it difficult. Make it uh, make make Connor frustrated. Make it the kind of fight that Connor doesn't want to fight. And fans don't want to see. I know that's hard to, to kind of wrap your head around, but you want that ugly, dirty, grueling, awkward fight where we're not standing at distance trading punches, where I'm not eating combinations, where I'm not seeing the hand speed of Conor McGregor. The guy has real hand speed, especially in MMA. So that's where he doesn't want to be. So anytime you want to negate somebody's length, 
getting battling positions. Anytime you want to deal with an opponent who's taller, if you look at last week, a guy named Michael Chiesa fought Neil Magny. Neil Magny, six foot three, yeah. really, really long, incredible reach, and he wrestled him the entire time. That was it. That's the one right. way to really negate a reach advantage. He needs to do that against Connor. First two rounds, boring. Turn it up rounds three, four, and five and see if you can overwhelm a fading Connor. Do you think uh, Poirier's better on the ground than Connor? And are you willing to bet on him at those high odds uh, to upset McGregor? Because McGregor's up to 330 now. And uh, Mafia said the best buy is to go the other way with Poirier at, at 275. It's certainly a better buy. You certainly get more value for your money. But I was also seeing odds about Poirier winning by submission was like plus 600. Plus, it was crazy about Poirier finishing Connor in any way. It seems like the bookmakers feel that if 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 Poirier wins, it's got to be by decision. I think he can get him with a late stoppage, you know, a la Nate Diaz, where it gets him in bad position. He's tired. He's frustrated. Turns his back. And that's it. I would definitely bet on that with the numbers I'm seeing, right? And so... It's about being able to put Connor in those positions, not falling for the flash, not falling for a fast start. Connor's a very fast starter. And also, people are discounting what we talked about earlier in this conversation is the ring rust on Connor McGregor. The guy fights once a year. So we're always asking ourselves, as fight analysts, as you know, experts in the sport, whatever you want to say we are, um, you know, how's Connor going to do this time? We haven't seen him in a year. It's like a guy showing up basically for the Super Bowl every year, and you go, well, he hasn't played all season. How's he going to do? That's the same deal with Conor McGregor. People are going to overlook the fact that he has ring rust to overcome as well. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, and uh, I'm excited for it, like uh, always. I think this is going to be a great fight. I love Poirier's. Uh, he's my favorite fighter. I just think the guy uh, is incredible what he's uh, turned into. Uh, you know, I, I just love to see, uh, you know, what's inside his head uh, going up against this guy a second time. If he's got a better, you know, strategy, because the last time it didn't work and he's learned so much with all these other fights. I can't wait to see if he uh, manipulates what he's learned into uh, being great on Saturday night. I think it's uh, fantastic what the UFC's done in Abu Dhabi, all these fight island cards they've had over the last 10 months has been remarkable. The stuff in Vegas. Jimmy, it's always good to see you, buddy. Uh, enjoy the fights tomorrow night. Fantastic uh, coverage on Coast to Coast today. Thank you very much, uh, my man. It's always good to have you on. I always appreciate it, man. Enjoy. I'll be on again soon. All right, there he is, Jimmy Smith from SiriusXM. I know, uh, Carver High, are you uh, looking at uh, Poirier for an upset, or are you going to go with your Irishman? Absolutely not. I would never go against Conor McGregor. You got to be kidding me. He's going to clean him out by round two tomorrow night. Let's go. And uh, I'm just surprised Jimmy didn't say anything about uh, Carver High's Bills jacket like uh, Caleb Plant said something about it earlier. But I think it's fantastic. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. We got a lot more to talk about it. Make fun of people. Coming at you all day, every day, with more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Hernandez are talking about a deal. Perhaps the Patriots bring back Matt Patricia to the staff. The Nets got a 5.7 million uh, disabled player exception after the Spencer Dinwiddie blow out of the knee. And the Nats are bringing back Ryan Zimmerman. Tokyo Olympics in doubt again because of COVID. Japan denies all that talk. And uh, they say it's still on. Real Madrid manager uh, Zinedine Zidane has COVID. Kevin DeBrunner out six weeks with an injury. Ovi's wife rips the NHL on Instagram. She's not having it. When you got a cup and you got all the goals he's got, she can say whatever she wants and get away with it. Floyd Mayweather not engaged to Anna Monroe. Sick of the rumors and lies. Maybe he should be. Have you seen this chick? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ almighty. I mean, I'd drop everything to marry that chick. Wait a minute. Sorry, 34C. Don't believe a word of it. Uh, chick's girlfriend, again, she's going to go private on Instagram. She's tired of all the trolls. I'm a big fan of hers. Dave Chappelle has COVID. Uh, a married teacher allegedly has sex with a 15-year-old in her driveway. I mean, was her husband in the kitchen? <laughs> I mean, the... The teachers with the kids, man. It's just they – I don't know if you watched that one on uh, on Netflix, Teacher, Prime, whatever the hell it was on, Hulu. Uh, the, the, and it was it was uh, one of the Giants owner's daughter, the actress that played the teacher that slept with the 15-year-old. Unbelievable. I've seen it all. And Shaq now got another cop job in Georgia. He's a cop in like 30 states. I mean, the diesel's everywhere. Telling players they suck. You name it. All right, Carver High. Your Bills win. The Bucks win. Screw everybody. Send That's me it. some ribs. Get me some Let's Bud go. Light. Circle, what are you doing tomorrow? What, what, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, you got to wait till Sunday. What are you doing tomorrow? Tomorrow I got in-game live with Smitty from 4 to 8. I got to come on. I got to get through the Saturday with Smitty before Sunday. Let's go. There's probably an Islander game too. Enjoy the uh, UFC McGregor-Poirier fight. Also, uh, Chandler and Hooker, I didn't mention them. We'll talk about them tonight on Furlong Events at 10 p.m. Eastern. Game time decisions is next. Have a kick-ass weekend. I got to... Look, you have a simple choice. Keep listening and get the winning edge. Or don't. And wish you had. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. 